When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB, and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. Well, let's talk right now to one of the MPs who voted for the lockdown. Mel Stride is Tory MP and also chair of the Treasury Select Committee. Good morning, Jamel. Good morning, Julia. Um, why did you vote for the country to lockdown? Because at the end of the day, I do have reservations that we have enough data. And I think in areas of the economic consequences of lockdown, I certainly don't think we have enough data. But at this stage, a fairly finely balanced decision, I decided that it was right to support the government uh, to take them at their word as to what is happening in the NHS and the risks of overrunning the NHS with the consequences uh, thereof, including obviously those who are non-COVID patients that need the beds who would also be impacted. So I have a watching brief on it. It was a bit of a heavy heart that I voted for it. Um, and I'm calling now for further information and further data, particularly around the consequences for the economy of these lockdown measures and the associated health impacts bit, that will follow from that. It's a bit late now, after all the restaurants and bars and non-essential retailers have shut up shop, isn't it? To ask for that extra well, as, as I say, I, I took my decision, I think, was the right thing to do. Um, if, if what you're saying is there are clearly consequences of lockdown, then obviously there are, and that's deeply, deeply regrettable. And that's why I think we need a more holistic analysis of what's going on, because the government has invested a lot of time and energy in looking at the consequences of not locking down. What has been absent from the debate, really, has been the consequences of looking down. So, for example, in the sage minutes of the 21st of September, there was reference there to the fact that the Treasury was undertaking um, an analysis uh, of the uh, economic impacts of the lockdown uh, measures. I've asked the Chancellor for those. I wrote to him uh, very recently about it, and I've had a response that has not actually provided that information. Uh, and I will be continuing to call well, for that because is... I think we needed a more rounded debate. Well, this is the issue, isn't it? Because lots of MPs were calling for an impact assessment, not just on the economic consequences, but the health consequences. Yes. So we're going to talk to Carol Scor about those as well, because we know, you know, people not going to get treatment, people being more fearful, people being at home, that that does have a knock on effect. Um, and the government didn't provide it. And yet everyone went, oh, well, OK, we'll just carry on anyway. Um, 
Why didn't MPs just say, simply say, we will not vote on this without this information? The idea, and as I spoke to Robert Jenrick, the housing secretary, earlier in the week, oh. um, it, it is not a coincidence, people, that I do not have a cabinet minister on the last couple of days. It's not a coincidence, you know, because obviously my questioning of Robert Jenrick did not go down very well in certain circles. I simply asked a simple question. Is there an impact assessment and are you going to publish it? This apparently is, is, is unacceptable questioning of a cabinet minister. The idea that we should shut down half, half of our economy, send people home and take away people's fundamental basic freedoms without there being an impact assessment frankly I find pretty terrifying well I think firstly the decision to lock down the economy of course was parliaments not not governments uh, alone so the majority in parliament did vote uh, for it um, in terms of an impact assessment I think there's an element of playing at semantics here because what I think the Treasury may be saying, and possibly quite rightly, is there is not a formal economic impact assessment relating to these lockdowns. But that's not the same thing as saying that there isn't analysis that the Treasury has carried out on that, and that that information, surely one would expect, would have been fed into the decisions that have been made, including at uh, the very highest level in government. So what I'm calling for is that that should be revealed, that that should be shared. We know that in those minutes of the SAGE meeting on the 21st, uh, of September, it was very explicit that this work was being carried on, quote, under the auspices of the chief, the government's chief uh, uh, economic uh, advisor. Um, and I think that data needs to be made available. Now, if that data isn't available and what's in the minutes is inaccurate, then I'd be asking another question, which is why on earth are we taking these decisions if there is no analysis of the economic impact yeah. of them. But, but, so, but there is all, know, there's the also a lot of concern about the, 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 the health claims. The NHS uh, is moving to the, the highest alert level today. Um, and yet um, I've seen internal NHS documents um, which show that there is no concern whatsoever about breaching capacity, that, uh, that, that, there, that, that there, is no, there, are no, there are no issues in terms of, of bed occupancy. Or not. We are not seeing any excess capacity of ICU or of normal hospital beds. And even the latest figures, if you actually look at the official, again, I only ever use official figures, not, you know, what someone's claimed on Twitter, but the official documents. And I only, wait, I'd never, ever use them unless I've checked that the link is correct. And it goes back to an official government website or to the Public Health England or, or the NHS. Um, the death figures, in the last week, the rate of deaths from coronavirus has gone up by 3%. Now, we've been talking about exponential growth. Chris Wheatley and Patrick Valance, we could talk about you know, 4,000 deaths a day. The, rate, the death figures went up 3%. Positive tests went up 2% in a week. And we are seeing um, almost entirely across the board a, a slowing down a, uh, of, of the spread of the virus. Yes, it's still rising. But it's not exponential. It's not out of control. It's entirely predictable at this time of year for respiratory illnesses. And yet we are reacting with what can only be described as hysteria. The, I think you're right about some of the data that's gone out there. For example, this 4,000 deaths a day projection. I think that's been to some degree uh, discredited. No, it's been, one, no, it's been 100% mathematically so, proven to be okay. a lie. All right. Well, well you, you, <laughs> Julia, you are clearly a, 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 a deeply, uh, you know, a strong uh, epidemiologist. No, and, no, uh, no, no, uh, no, I, no, you don't have to have more than GCSE maths to be able okay. to tell right. that those figures okay. were wrong. Even Chris Whitty okay. has accepted they were wrong. The Prime yeah, Minister, okay. so the Prime Minister, agree. Chris Whitty and Sir Patrick Fallance lied to the nation on Saturday night they lied to the nation let's agree that that, that that there are some of the data uh that is is perhaps not as robust um as originally no, presented. no we're not but going to agree the that. point is that we're going to agree that that is, was right, wrong let's move, on, let's move on let's move on the point is i think that if you've got our above one 
and you have a doubling up and a potential exponential growth in the virus, then even though right now today it may not look too bad, and I would say in certain parts of the country, because there are other parts of the country in the north where actually the number of uh, bed occupancy rates is, is actually higher than it was at the peak of the first uh, wave. So if you've got that situation, then it is then a matter of time before it very quickly can get out of hand. But I do think that there is a lack of data. So part of it is because there's lags involved. So you're trying always to take a decision in a sense uh, in the dark to some degree because infections leading to hospitalizations leading to deaths, there's a considerable lag between those various stages. So it is difficult at any one point in time to be able to put your finger on the numbers and say, ah, that demonstrates this. Yeah, rather no, than that. You're quite wrong. Um, you're quite wrong. You can see quite across the board and you can see people. Tim Spector, who is leading the Zoe survey, the biggest survey uh, for King's College, he has said, we have passed the set further evidence today, he tweeted yesterday from our survey, we have passed the peak in second wave new cases in the UK. There'll be a four-week lag before this is seen in a decline in deaths and one or two weeks in hospitalisation. The R value is close to one in most areas now. I mean, okay, he knows all, more than both that, of us, doesn't that he? Shows, well, all that shows, Julia, uh, uh, is that there's a diversity of opinion, and you'd expect that and on, on a very uncertain set of uh, circumstances that you're trying to create projections He's looking around. at actual so it's not data. Surprising. It's, well, of course he is, and, and so is Patrick Vance, and so is Chris Whitty. And they're so looking at computer great. projections. That's not the yes, same well, thing. Yes, everybody's but using, everybody's using computer no, uh, projections. No, it is a case of judgment. No. No, the Zoe survey doesn't use computer projections. It is actual data. There's a difference between using empirical, verifiable data and computer projections. Are you saying that Sage aren't using data? Yes, they are. They are basing the the 4,000 deaths a day was based on a computer model that had already been debunked before they even announced it on Saturday night. That is a simple matter of fact. Okay. well, the simple matter of fact is it's a very uncertain situation. A lot of people have different opinions as to where this may head and therefore the measures that are required, because it's it it is an art as much as it is a science, unfortunately. And therefore, these are very difficult judgments. But to get back to your original question, my judgment was on balance at the moment. I would lean into personally the view of SAGE, etc. I do have serious caveats around that, as I've said, about the uh, data that is available and more okay. particularly the data that is not available at the moment that I am pushing for and the Treasury Select Committee is pushing for and we will continue to push for. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. I've been watching this election very, very closely. Good morning to you, Professor. Good morning. Good, Good morning. Good. I'd love you to speak to you. Um, I mean, this is the big concern, and this has been a concern from uh, you know, American watchers uh, for a number of years that Donald Trump would not respect the outcome of an election. He he was talking about you know fraud in postal ballots. Been talking about that for months. He's been making jokes. One hopes they are jokes about how he would go for uh, you know more terms in office, and how he was uh, he's praised these strongmen leaders around the world uh, for uh, for not holding uh, legitimate elections. Big concerns about that. Um, if it is the case that Donald Trump, as many people expect, has lost this election, despite putting on an extra three million votes, but losing the popular vote and losing Electoral College, are you 100 percent convinced that he will leave power? 100 <laughs> percent? No, 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 no. I was 100 percent convinced and I've been saying and many people have been saying, not just myself, that uh, he would contest the election um, if it looked like he was going to lose. And he has been aware and his team have been aware that uh, there was a good chance he would lose. He'd been aware of it for a long time. Uh, Trump sort of began to lay the ground, as it were, for this contestation in several ways. First of all, he starts talking up election fraud. Now, he was doing that for even in 2016. But he quietened on that. But about a year ago, he started again. And so we've had about 12 months, and especially since the pandemic, when his numbers began to fall, he has been screaming about electoral fraud in the United States. Without getting into the boring detail, I can tell you historically and today, and especially in recent years, electoral fraud in the United States is infinitesimal. It's almost non-existent. However, Trump has managed to turn it into a huge issue by shouting about it for 12 months. Uh, electoral suppression, that's very real if you want to talk about it, but Trump never talks about that. So he's been preparing for this contestation that you're now talking about. So, of course, I'm not surprised about that, 100% on that one. Uh, where this will go is much more difficult to tell. There are lots of scenarios. Um, the simplest point is that if Biden wins a by a large enough uh, a margin today, I think it makes it a lot harder for Trump. If it comes down to one state, it's possible, the likeliest would be Pennsylvania, then Trump may have more leverage to fight over that one state. There's a lot more legal detail there, but that's probably the simplest bottom line as we watch results coming in today. But again, then we're into that ridiculous situation, aren't we, where, you know, Donald Trump won by, you know, very small amount, just, you know, tens, few tens of thousands of votes in key states yeah. back in uh, 2016. He didn't query that then. Um, he has yet, despite all these tweets and despite the statements of his son and his uh, um, his, his legal advisor, Rudy Giuliani, arriving uh, to, to try and halt uh, vote counts, um, they've not actually produced a single bit of evidence yet, have they? And yet you can see all over the uh, all over Twitter in particular, now whether or not it's, uh, it's bots or whether it's not it's real people, Trump fans, um, saying, look, the evidence is really clear. But I've yet to see 
any single piece of evidence other than one thing which showed that a, a whole a bunch of you know, a few hundred thousand votes were, were given to, to Biden and not a single one in a, a tranche of votes that came through in one state. But it was quite clear to me that what was done was they they counted the votes for, for each candidate separately and, they, and mm. those votes were ready first and they put those on the, the vote count and they were going to put the Trump votes on uh, straight away afterwards. But they, that, that has been, as far as I can tell, the only evidence that anyone has offered and that's not evidence at all. That's not evidence at all. The evidence isn't there. There is no there there, as Americans sometimes like to say. I said earlier that voter fraud was almost infinitesimal in the United States. In fact, there are some stats in this. Uh, and Trump, as I say, has been claiming voter fraud is rampant and so on. But the instances are very rare. Overall, we know that in the last 10 years, voter fraud has accounted for not point not 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 for uh, percent of the vote, according to the Brennan Center for Justice. Now, there are some who would uh, contest that and say it may be closer to not, not, not 0.5, but it's <laughs> incontestable. Now, there, there, there is an issue, though, and uh, let's be serious about this, which is that because of the huge number of mail-in ballots, there is the potential for voter fraud on a slightly larger scale. However, as you have just observed, so far, no evidence. I think it's very telling that, I mean, of course, the Twitter sphere is going to go crazy around this. That's that's inevitable, right? I mean, I mean, Trump's been on Twitter, as you know, saying he claims all of these states, and that's as if that's sufficient. But watch Fox News, which, of course, has been the mothership of the conservative media sphere in the United States. Fox News has not backed up these ideas of evidence. It's huffed and puffed a good deal, but it has not produced it either, which, and in fact has been remarkably careful, which has enraged the president. And indeed, they, they've actually been sometimes the first to call a state for Joe Biden, much against, much yeah. to his horror. But that's, that leads me to my next question, actually, which is that um, how much backing do you think there will be from the likes of Fox News, uh, from the, the Republican Party uh, and the, 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 old, the old school there, who, look, they, 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 they didn't like Donald Trump. They didn't want him to be the candidate. He he, he won the candidacy against their uh, their best efforts. Uh, but once he was in the, the White House, frankly, they were happy to play along. I mean, he was winning them, uh, yeah. you know, votes in midterms and the like. They were happy uh, to keep him on board. Um, but now they think, look, he's lost. They don't think they don't think he's going to win um, even in a legal battle. Right. Are they are they going to back him up? Or do you think that they will just hang him out to dry and they will accept openly and early that Joe Biden is the victor if that is the case? They will back him up until they don't. Um, and I think that that will come soon enough. Uh, they, I mean, th th this, this, this is cutthroat stuff. Yes, the Republican Party has rode in beside Donald Trump over the last four years. They did it partly out of fear. Uh, he rules them by fear. That is to say that he threatens that if they don't give him his support, um, he will, you know, set his base upon them and they will likely uh, suffer in their local elections and so on. So he has ruled them in that way. Uh, those who disagreed with him have more or less gone or left. There's hardly anyone left in that regard. It's not to say that they agree with him. It's not to say that they love and admire him. There are a few passionate ones like Tom Cotton, for example, the senator. Um, but most of them are in it for what they can get for their party. The best example of this is Mitch O'Connell, who I suspect has no love for Donald Trump, but has made a deal with the devil. What O'Connell has sought to do, and in fact what the uh, Republican Party has been doing for the last four years under Donald Trump, is trying to um, tighten up um, their hold on power, by which I mean minority control 
of the United States. And that is what they're really seeking to do. Yeah. So McConnell's outlook on taking Trump on board was, okay, help us to pack um, the, the, the courts with, with justices. And if we get lucky, let's do the same in the Supreme Court. They got very lucky under yeah. Trump in that regard. So they are trying to maintain rule in the United States, given that the popular vote in the United States does not support them. I mean, even the, the Senate is out of sync. If you look at the votes for the Senate, I mean, it's deeply misrepresentative. The number of Republican senators are there. That has a lot to do with gerrymandering and many other things as well. But what I'm saying is the design of the Republican Party is to maintain minority power. Yeah. They see Trump as helping to do that. Yeah. If Trump can no longer help them do that, then he's not needed. He'll, However, be, he'll be dropped. If Trump goes, it's very unclear where the Republican Party goes. It will implode, I think, for the next year. It will be mm -hmm. internecine mm -hmm. warfare within that party to see where it goes after that because if it moves to the center it leaves this huge trump vote on the right wing across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker talk radio let's talk to leandra ashton now uh, good morning to you leandra morning Julia. good morning um, i think it was incredibly brave of you to put that out online but i'm really pleased you did because i think it's really important that people understand this isn't just happening to one family this isn't a one-off there are tens and tens and tens of thousands of families right now who are being separated from their loved ones in a care home and 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 are desperate to 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 see them touch them spend time with them hug them and are unable to do so tell us a little bit about about the, the background to this and and your 97 year old grandmother and the and the situation she's been in yeah, so, I mean, we've tried to go down every official channel we could. Um, I've written to my MP countless times, had no response. Uh, we uh, raised what's called a safeguarding issue because we could see the deterioration of my nan early down in lockdown. Um, she has dementia. It takes a lot of time to feed her and to give her drinks. And in a care home setting, the what we found over the years is it's just not it's just not adequate. So it does require somebody from the family to be there to feed her as regularly as, as possible. And my mum was going in every day before lockdown. Um, so when when that stopped, my the the impact that had on on my mum as well as on my nan was horrific to see. Um, to the, the fact that there are rules in place that are separating families and rules that are purporting to protect and to save lives, I find disgusting. And the narrative needs to change because we are focused so purely on one illness. And as terrible as that illness is, it is one. And the, the death rate from that is still not as high as the death rate from so many other illnesses. Well, indeed. And, I mean, and your mother, she's 73, um, but, but she's a retired nurse. So she would know how to care for your grandmother. She'd be able to give her, your, you, your family believe, better care than she's getting in the nursing home because of that, particularly the feeding need. And we know one of the main reasons people with dementia do end up uh, fading away and dying is because they, they don't eat and, and it can often take two hours to feed them a very small amount of food and, and there's no one there to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this has been a problem for years with my nan's care. Um, so under normal circumstances, if we could visit her, we could perhaps oversee that. But in the, in the current climate where we can't go in and see her, we can't feed her. You know, this idea that we are allowed visits through a window is beyond cruel because my nan doesn't understand this. I stopped the visits. The last visit that I had before uh, um, this one that's been videoed my nan reached towards the window towards me and it was it was just heartbreaking i mean i couldn't i all i could do was cry and again we're not alone there are thousands and thousands of families in the same position 
and and it's got to change it's just that quite simply it, this question of saving lives but what about the quality of life well indeed that's what we need to, to change and, and when you and your mum you were you were visiting your nan and and your mum was able to hug her for the first time and I'm assuming of course it being a loving family being very careful being shielding to make sure not a risk to uh, to your grandmother um, and then it was an impulse wasn't it to to just say do you know what we've got to get her out of here uh, and you it, drove to a local garden centre and that's when the police were called yeah it was a total impulse um it was it was a heightened moment when um, a care assistant uh, uh, somebody in the office spoke to my mum in a way that was really unhelpful and my mum <clears throat> just said could I pass these flowers through to to my mother and she used the flowers to force open the door and she just hugged her mother um and it, we didn't think it through, <clears throat> but we have talked about bringing my nan home since the beginning of all of this. Yeah. But we just don't know how we can do it because of this legality of power of attorney. Well, that's it. Um, I think a lot of people are wondering, well, hold on a minute. How can you not have the right to bring your grandmother home to her loving family, uh, especially with her uh, her daughter who's able as a nurse to care for her? We know she can. She knows what to do. What, on what legal basis can they stop her leaving the care home? So when someone has dementia, um, they, there has to be something called a power of attorney in place. Now we have power of attorney for my nan's finances, but it was an oversight by my grandfather before he died, thinking that my nan would always be able to express what she wanted. So the power of attorney for well-being or, or well um, for health wasn't put in place. Oh. So now all decisions have to be made with the local authorities. But unfortunately, the local authorities are, are cutting us out of the conversation. It took the police to tell us yesterday that my nan has a new social worker. And they then informed us that we weren't on the correct paperwork. So it becomes like this Kafka-esque nightmare where you're just stuck and unable to, to just quite simply have any influence over your loved one's um, life. Well, your, your grandmother is effectively being held prisoner. I mean, to all intents and purposes, her family want to, to have her home safely and she can't leave. Uh, the state has basically taken over control of her life rather than her family being able to care for her. I know your mother wasn't there awful face, de-arrested. She won't face any charges. I mean, frankly, if she did face charges, I mean, I think there'd be riots on the streets, to be honest with you. Um, but what happens now? What, 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 what's, what's your next uh, 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 attempt to, to, to get your grandmother to, to the safety and the comfort and the love of her own home? I mean, we're really hoping that the, the amount of media coverage and the incredible support from the public will help us kind of um, shift this conversation and start broadening the conversation around health. Um, we will go down uh, trying to um, achieve an emergency power of, attor of attorney so that we'll have more rights over my nan. But that can be a really lengthy process. Um, we're, we're just going to do everything we can just to keep fighting, just to try and get my nan home because it's it's clearly the better place for her now yeah. because we can't visit. And who knows how long this next lockdown is going to last for. Well, Leandra, I am absolutely sure that every single person listening here is absolutely feeling your pain and the love that you and your mother have for your grandmother. And she's, you know what, I know going through all of this, she's very lucky to have the love of, you, of her family like this. And uh, we know that tens of thousands of other families are going through exactly this sort of thing as well. And you are, you are fighting the good fight I mean this is this is insanity this is cruelty and this is not what should be happening in a free country to to loving families who just want the best for each other and, and I salute you and um... online on DAB and on the talk radio app talk radio 
Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. Please don't forget to like, comment and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.